Welcome to Emergo Radio, a place where a brain-first lifestyle matters, a place of impact and inspiration, a place where your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny, coach you to rise above. Welcome to Emergo Radio. My name is Dave Kenny. My name is Susan Kenny. And we come to you from Emergo Recovery. And Emergo Recovery is a private residential wellness and recovery program. And um, we follow actualized recovery, a brain first approach to recovery. So today we're here to talk about that. And we want to talk about how to feed a brain. We all know and, and we've all been taught about food and exercise in school for our bodies. But very few of us have ever learned about feeding our brain. When I go through a, a grocery store or a news store, I see magazines, everything is about get this competitive edge, increase your focus. Parents are concerned about it for school, and we are all concerned about it at work, trying to be our optimum best. And uh, we do know that brain drives behavior, and there is a good way to feed that brain. And there are other things we can do to kind of hamper brain function and thus how we feel. So, Susan, I'm excited to talk with you. I know you are an absolute pro at this, but feeding the brain. This is one of my favorite topics, Dave. As you know, I'm really excited about this podcast to begin with, to share some some of our personal journey. So a long time ago, we had an idea that we wanted to begin a residential recovery program. And we were eating very clean. And we started to go to a CrossFit gym and Big Al (laughs) challenged us and said, try this paleo diet for 30 days. And I pushed back. I said, no, you know, my background is nutrition, sports nutrition, and we eat very clean. Even the grains that we do eat and sugars and, and things like that are very clean. And he said, great. So try it out for 30 days and see what you think. And at the end of the 30 days, it was no turning back. We had energy like we had not had. And I actually don't think I ever had that much energy. Pain that I had had in my body was no longer there. And uh, everything just changed. So that was a big integral part when we did open the residential program of the food and we know that it makes a massive difference to help the people that are with us for a matter of weeks to be able to reset the gut and reset the the diet, which absolutely affects the function of the brain. It is an interesting story because this goes back to, I mean, I'm a multi-sport athlete and it was about training hard, training hard, and there was very little in food sciences. And when Big Al came along, I remember that my knees were starting to hurt and ache and I was wondering about that. And that's one of the reasons why we went to CrossFit. I went, okay, we got to work harder. And actually, it's not necessarily always about working harder. If you're putting foods in your body, in my body that caused inflammation, working harder doesn't matter. And so it was eating foods that actually my brain and my body liked. It nourished them. So my sleep improved. My knee pain went away in weeks. And it's an incredibly rich, wonderful way to enjoy food and have food. But it really is just simply eat real food. And that's a big deal in our societies. But but don't be scared about that. This is not hard. It just is a matter of reframing our relationship 
with food. And to clarify, paleo is a lifestyle. So it is the food. It is about movement. It's about being in nature. It's about focusing on sleep and following a circadian rhythm. It's about community. So we're going to focus today on the food part of the paleo ancestral diet. It really is critical. Actualized recovery, we deal with people with tremendous life-paralyzing levels of anxiety, depression, suicide ideation, learning challenges, substance and addiction challenges, PTSD. And there's kind of five models to this brain-first approach to recovery. And it first starts with biology. And that's what we're going to talk about more today. Is Then there's psychology and all of that and coaching that goes with that. And then there's the spiritual component, how I feel about myself, my smile and my laughter, my purpose in life, my social or connections, which are really, really important. I've got to have positive psychology teaches us about having deep, meaningful relationships and then lifestyle. And this kind of falls under biology, feeding the brain, but also paleo is the lifestyle, which Susan mentioned. So... Go back in time, and and we also use the phrase ancestral or the word ancestral. And for so many generations, we were hunter-gatherers. So we ate differently depending on what was available in our geographical area. What changed and the reason that we're having some challenges now is that about 10,000 years ago, agriculture was introduced. And so it really disrupted this hunter-gatherer lifestyle that we had. What has happened, the outcome of that is a mismatch. It's a genetic mismatch. So our genes and biology are set up to function in a certain way and to be fed in a certain way. The current lifestyle and the diet that we call a, a regular diet now doesn't work. It's a mismatch. And so the result of that is anxiety, depression, sadness, uh, suicidal ideation. You know, there's lots of different diagnoses, but really it goes back to we're in a genetic mismatch right now. I want to take it a little bit out of the food sciences and, and think about food as fuel for our system and for our brain in particular. Our brain loves certain things. Our brain does not like certain things. And that can manifest itself. You know, if you if you drink Red Bulls and have a lot of sugar, lots of anxiety can begin to uh, show up and lack of focus and attention in school at work, uh, relationship issues. But I want to talk about performance. We know that high-end athletes, and they know this, this is their life, this is their profession, this career, millions of dollars at stake, and they pay attention to everything they put in their system. And, and what that's about is performance. I'm going to go beyond that. We know that if you're dealing with racehorses, even championship show dogs, if you want to talk about that, those people, the owners of dogs and horses who want performance, they, they have it down to how many ounces of grains or foods that animal is going to eat to optimize their performance. But we humans don't think of that. And, and, and we, we think of what's convenient, what is easy, but what is easy and convenient may long-term be causing a lot of challenges and issues, disruptive sleep, um, inability to focus at work and pay attention. Again, dysregulated emotions, thus our, thus our relationships are impacted. And so the simple question is, first and foremost, if you have 
kids going to school, what are you feeding them for breakfast? Are you thinking about their performance and their needs from a neurological point of view? And if, and if you want to know what that is, Susan, the next question is, what do I do? I, Dave, before we go there, I want to touch back because I was a high school teacher. And one of the, the biggest things that affected my classroom was the vending machines. So kids would, young, these young teens would come not have breakfast and they'd hit the vending machines and they'd show up with a bag of chips and soda pop. And you can't think, your brain isn't designed to function, particularly somebody who is young and developing. So we've got these young people who have grown up with a fast food mentality and families that are getting away from cooking and and bringing food into the home. And so it was a big problem in, in the high schools that I worked in, Dave. So let's dive into this. We've talked about it. We've set the stage and how important this is for our bodies. Yes, we all know that. We haven't even talked about our second brain, our gut microbiome. We'll get into that, but also our brain. So let's let's dive in a little bit more. What are the, without getting into specifics, on a larger level, if we were to fly at about 10,000 feet, what are those important things that we should be incorporating in our diet to optimize brain function and our performance? So I want to introduce a, a word called exposome. The exposome is anything that's environmental that contributes to our health and well-being above our genetics. And a lot of people don't know this, but our genes only play 10% of how we are feeling in life. And so the number one thing to look at is what you're eating and what you're not eating. And so we we need, there are certain things that the brain needs in order to function and the body need in order to function. They are amino acids, which come from proteins. And an animal protein is a complete amino acid, which is very important when you're talking about the brain. We have great fats, which are not the seed oils that are in most of the diet now. You're looking at avocado oils, olive oils, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oils, avocados, things like that. They're, they're a natural fat and they really nourish and replenish the brain because the brain is made of fat and water. So if you want to feed it, you've got to feed it fat. You want good looking skin and you want to look younger, you want better hair and nails. All of this does come to play. Absolutely. And, uh, and so the other is complex carbohydrates. So carbohydrates that come from fruits and vegetables that's where your source of carbohydrates are. And a, a lot of people have challenged us over the years and saying, you know, we, we need this pasta or we need our whole grains. And if you think again, again, from an evolutionary point of view, when we were hunter-gatherers, we didn't process grains. And when we did, when we began to do that thousands of years ago, we actually fermented them. It was quite a process to break it down so that it was able to be digested in our gut. And so now the grains that we have, fabulous movie, if you can find the documentary, What's With Wheat, we live in a society now that is growing these grains that have really been changed. They're GMO grains, genetically modified, and they have a lot of pesticides in them. So go back 
thousands of years and we didn't have that type of, of grain. And a bulk of our diet was still coming from meats and and foraging and mushrooms and, and uh, vegetables and fruits and things, depending on the time of year. So these are macronutrients, the protein and a clean animal source protein, wild caught fish, not a farmed fish, grass-fed, grass-finished meats because of the omega-3 and omega-6 ratio. Um, and, and if you eat a feedlot animal, that gets actually disrupted and there's too much omega-6. And so the fats in, the, in that meat are not healthy for us. And so we, we want to make sure that the omega-3s um, uh, uh, and omega-6 balance is good for us. So we've got proteins, we've got carbohydrates, which you just mentioned on uh, fruits and vegetables. And then you've also mentioned the other macronutrient of fats. And Dave, you talked about grass-fed and grass-finished. Here's the importance, and you can think of it like this. When the farming industry uses grains and corn to fatten an animal up before it goes to the lot. <laughs> and so it we're animals. If you're eating grains and you're eating corns, we're going to fatten up too. That's just the outcome of it. So in, uh, in Merkel Recovery, we practice something called Whole30. Whole30 is a paleo version of a diet. It is a 30-day reset. So if you're committing for a 30-day period of time, which is very important, uh, the reduction in inflammation and your relationship to food. And so there's certain things that you do eat, certain things that you don't eat. I welcome you to check out Whole30.com has a lot of information. And what, what you're eliminating is dairy, grain, soy, sugar, and alcohol and problematic foods. So for some people, uh, problematic foods like donuts or pizza, you're not going to create a paleo version of that in a whole 30 version. You're just going to create a new relationship with food. The whole 30 is a wonderful elimination diet that we found because everybody responds differently to food and we just don't know what's setting us off. And so it, it's a great place to start for families and at the end of the 30 days or 60 days is um as uh, taught by our the author melissa is that then you can begin to reintroduce foods whether that's dairy or whether that's sugar and see how you react and it's interesting because i react um surprisingly to sugar it, it, it's I, I get allergies and all that stuff which i didn't know until i began to until i cleaned my body out and did a reset and after this hard reset was really um, i can feel the difference and also emotionally that hangries because when you introduce sugars or even even through pastas and breads and milk when you introduce sugars into our system then we've got the insulin effect where there's too much insulin and then then we end up after a little while the insulin overtakes the sugar and it brings it down and the blood sugar level crashes and that's where the hangries are and then when i'm below where i was originally what i'm going to go crave because my sugar levels are very low i'm going to go crave that again and that's the cycle that this North American diet has us on. Well, we're scientists tell us that we're about to be in for an even bigger epidemic than we can imagine with Alzheimer's and dementia in the, the coming generation. And they're calling it diabetes type three because really it's the brain not getting fed what it needs to, to be fed. The lifestyle doesn't match, but Dave, it's really about sugar. And, and alcohol is a sugar as well. 
So you mean that one glass of red wine is not a brain food? <laughs> I'm sorry to have to share, but alcohol is not a health food for the brain. If you enjoy it, I, I encourage you to find a, a paleo type source of, of wine, but um, it's not a health food for the brain. So part of the feed your brain is what you put in, but also what you do not put in. You know, cigarettes are, are very toxic to a brain. Marijuana, despite what right now socially and politically seems to be a hot button, from a science point of view, a neuroscience point of view, it harms brain function. It changes how the brain functions, and it doesn't resolve the issue or the problem. The underlying issue or the problem still exists. And also when you eat foods with a lot of sugar, you offset that, then comes the insulin and focus and attention issues. So when you're talking about feeding the brain, we're talking about water. The brain loves loves water. And I'm not talking about water through Gatorade. I'm talking about actual water. And the brain also loves good fats. It loves good, clean proteins. Think of amino acids right there. The brain loves oxygen. So movement is important. If you're feeling sluggish at work in the afternoon, instead of going for a cup of coffee, move your body, go for a walk, go up and down the stairs if it's wintertime and you're in uh, somewhere in a cold land. Uh, use the stairs, but breathe, get oxygen in your system, and your brain loves that and thrives on oxygen, exercise, and movement and deep breathing. Uh, timing is important too. The structure of when we eat is important. And I'm not sure if everybody's connected, but I'll share it. Breakfast means break the fast. So you have <laughs> gone without one. food for a period of time. And your first meal of the day is breaking the fast. So you're beginning to introduce food back into the system again. We have a, an epidemic problem now with people eating at all times of the day and right before sleep. And for the brain, this is very problematic. We have something called the glymphatic system. So many people may have heard about the lymphatic system, which is the body's way to drain. There's a fluid that goes through and, and drains out toxins in the lymph system. We have the same thing in the brain, and it's designed that you you don't eat for a period of time before you sleep. The best is four hours before you go to sleep. And the brain does this brainwashing, but in a great way. So the glymphatic system is really taking out all of those neurotoxins that have accumulated through the day. So if you're eating right up until bedtime, and especially, particularly if you're eating foods that are toxic to the brain, you're going to be in big trouble over time. So I'd like to shift gears just a little bit because we've been talking about the brain, but there is this thing, and maybe a lot of people have heard about it, called the second brain. What's the second brain and how does that in this word called microbiome, how does that all fit in? Because mm. that's a long way. It's a couple miles away from my brain. So how does that all fit in? So when we were developing in utero, the stomach and the brain were actually forming simultaneously. And then they broke apart and they're, they're conjoined by something called the vagal nerve, which runs down the left side of the body. So the brain and the gut are in constant communication. And in the gut, microbiome are present. And microbiome is our own ecosystem in the gut. And it's very important to us to maintain that ecosystem. The outcome, if, if the brain 
isn't functioning properly, or if you're suffering from depression, anxiety, OCD is, is, has a big connection to microbiome that has been disrupted in the gut. And this happens from, uh, it can happen from overuse of antibiotics. It can happen, children that are born cesarean section are not getting the microbiome that is needed to populate the gut in the beginning. And so I, you know, I mean, cesarean section is a life-saving surgery and, and at times it's absolutely necessary. So what you would have to do is just reintroduce or introduce microbiome into the gut. And a lot of families that have come to Emergo Recovery over the years have had birth trauma. The client has had birth trauma. And so when the gut microbiome is disrupted, it absolutely is present in our behaviors. So what I want to talk about too is are foods to avoid, both for the gut and other things to avoid. We we you know we all see the the cleaner when we get into a, a hospital or we go into an office building the pumps for the bacteria. Be mindful of your microbiome because that that stuff is so effective it kills all bacteria and yet and it goes right into our system into our liver and that actually then kills the good bacteria. So here we are taking probiotics and prebiotics and we're doing everything we can. And then we go and take this pump of stuff and it actually is harmful. So I want to just touch on some other things, some foods to avoid in this paleo type lifestyle and refined sugars. We've talked about that. Artificial sweeteners are absolutely terrible on the body for long-term health and well-being. Uh, that includes all of your diet drinks, grains and legumes as well, and, and dairy and trans fats. So if you focus though on those big macronutrients of good clean protein sources and fishes and wonderful and salmon with the mega threes and three quarters of your plate being either raw veg or softly cooked veg and maybe a little bit of fruit. And I also want to talk about some sweeteners because everybody's got a little bit of a sweet tooth too. But monk fruit is a great thing. A coconut sugar can be maple syrup can be honey and agave. When you do the whole 30, you eliminate all of these things. But this is once you've reset things. And if you want to want to add a little something to your food to sweeten things up, there are some tremendous options, even dates, tremendous options in sweetening food, but using whole real food and staying away from the refined sugars. We were having dinner with our group last night, clients and our, our coaches, and at the table, they said, is there anything that you haven't figured out how to duplicate in a paleo Whole30 <laughs> type lifestyle? And there isn't. I can't think of one thing that we haven't found uh, a way to replicate. And it tastes amazing and you feel fantastic and you will be sharper and memory is good. Relationships are good because that happens when you have a good brain. Your energy is fantastic. I want to just address the one thing. There's two pushbacks people give is time and money. Oh my gosh, this costs so much. Well, you know, when you, when you think about a cost of a package of cigarettes or when you think about the cost of a bottle of wine and put that towards your food, when you think about the lost cost 
of missed work or performance because we're, we're under the weather, we're not feeling well, we're anxious, we're in a depressed state, we're worth it. You are worth it. And it's not much of an investment. It, this is about planning. That's what this is about, creating structure. So create a day of the week. I really encourage you to create a day of the week where if you're cooking for two people, don't cook two or four pieces of chicken. Cook 12 pieces of chicken and get your salads and greens ready to go. And you've got a couple days worth of meals ready to roll. And so you can have a lot of fun doing this and thinking about nourishing your body. And the whole 30 for a 30-day start, that's a great personal challenge. By the way, you can do anything for 30 days. Make a 30-day commitment to yourself and um, you know, do your homework, get prepared, and get ready. But those are the two big pushbacks we typically have until people start to do it and they go, oh my God, this is a lot easier than I ever thought. So we've talked about what you eat, what you don't eat. We've talked about our ancestral background and mismatch. We've talked about the whole 30, and I encourage you to look there. We've talked about the timing the last thing that I want to talk about is how we eat. And this is really an important part of digestion as well. Sitting at a table, eating very mindfully, having some soft music on. So not another episode of Friends while I'm eating. Not another episode of Friends. <laughs> uh, being social, connecting with people not having too much liquid. So you want to keep your stomach acid at a good level to be ordered to in order to break down the foods that you're eating as well. So sipping on something and not having a lot of liquid is important too. So where we eat and how we eat is really important too, Dave. So this has been an absolute honor to have people join us and learn more about it. You can find us at Emergo Recovery com or emergoradio.com. And the word emergo is a Latin word. It means to emerge or to rise above. And really, we offer this to you today to help you rise above in your life with your, you yourself and with your family and friends. And so that's the one thing that we always try to end the show with here today is what is it for rise above for you today, Susan? As soon as we wrap up, Dave, we are going to have a massively big greens salad with all kinds of colors, <laughs> and that's how I'm going to rise above for the afternoon. I'm looking forward to an avocado with that, too. <laughs> and my rise, up, my rise above is definitely going for a walk this afternoon to get out of the office, freshen my brain, freshen my body. I want to feed my brain, and so I'm going to do a little bit of a power walk, and uh, I've got my big loop outside, and it's a gorgeous fall day here and um, so that's that's for me to rise above I guess I get to have the salad and then the walk so thank you for joining us here at Emergo Radio again my name is Dave Kenny and I'm with Susan Kenny and it's been our honor to help you rise above in gratitude we thank you for joining us on Emergo Radio a place where you rise above with your hosts Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and learn. Want more? You can reach us at emergoradio.com. That's E-M-E-R-G-O radio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.